0: Hey, this is Max, and welcome to the Ronin System Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, uh, Lynette. She is a male-to-female transsexual. Um, And just to preface this, you know, I am a little ignorant, you know, uh, I guess uneducated on the topic. So, you know, if I say something offensive or anything, feel free to call me out.
1: No offense. I'll give you the rundown from top to bottom and maybe my unique take on it.
0: All right, cool. Um, So why don't you start off by uh, introducing yourself?
1: So my name is Lynette. I'll be joined shortly by my partner, Rachel. Um, I've am um, thirty years old. I started HRT, hormone replacement therapy, about two years ago. The transition process is a li- it varies from person to person. It's a very individualized experience. Um, the very PC term is transgender, which is the umbrella term for everything. But transsexual is anyone, or transsex is anyone that changes. You know the the um sex characteristics secondary or primary sex characteristics a transgender person may not necessarily do that they may not feel a need to they may not feel dysphoria they may not feel like it's anything necessary to be a part of their like best life um for me personally um dysphoria is not something i experience based around social socialization um the the boxes you know society puts us in Uh, for me it was very very much about the body it's almost like the process to me has almost been like bodybuilding but in a very very different way
0: a very specific way
1: exactly it's just building a new body
0: so what when did you like feel like this transition was was something you were you wanted to do?
1: It's hard to say. Um, my whole life, I've kind of identified certain you know key moments, key moments that caused maybe repression, key moments that made me ask myself questions I should have been asking myself earlier. Um, earliest kind of like figuring out something was up was maybe six years old. Uh, I was fascinated with witches, playing with the neighbor girls. Um, we were just we always had this game of witches, and it was just really like interesting to me that I would take on a role that was like not I guess very like heteronormative for especially 90s culture which was very different than today. I guess through teens through um, I guess early college I'd started to like question something about myself. Um I'd always considered myself like heterosexual so I kind of had separated that from like, transsexualism, transgenderism, which is something that, like, is a very new topic. Society is just now starting to figure figure these things out. Um, and then, in my own mind, once I figured out how to separate those two concepts, sexuality and gender, um, I was able to kind of identify that this was something I wanted to do and really needed to do to live a better life.
0: So you're a lot happier now than you were before?
1: Absolutely. Um, the transition process is going to be awkward. Um, it's been... Especially the first year, very awkward. Um, it's not something I ever tried to like hide or cover up. it's just after two months of like committing that this was something I was gonna do, I told everyone like, hey, new name, new identity, everything. And of course, like everyone like universally is supportive now. That's part of 2019. I really get the sense that people want to help, that people want to, you know, do good and support. And maybe people don't always necessarily know how, but I can always tell that people they mean well. And um. I would say that I've definitely it's it's definitely helped me lead a better life. I think before transitioning, um, the jobs I would hold down would be maybe like under the table jobs or jobs that I just wouldn't care about. And now I'm like moving into management. I care about career climbing. It's almost like anything before. It's like I was I couldn't bring myself to care about doing good for myself because. It was like caring for not myself, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, you, d- you didn't feel like yourself. You felt like you were you're trapped in a way. Now you feel free.
1: Exactly, um, free in some ways. Um, yeah, isolated in other ways. Society treats women differently than men, and that's not any new concept. That's like not a new revelation. It's um very it's very interesting and eye opening to me actually.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like this whole um because transgender, you know this this whole topic is it's definitely gotten more friendly i'd say for sure you know especially like socially politically it's taking some time but, but i feel like socially it's it's more accepted and it's, it's easier to talk about
1: very much though so. um it's just interesting and in compared to other civil rights movements like i feel like it's something that i personally didn't even really know about until like the last 10 to 15 years and then it suddenly like society flipped to embrace people just like that and it's incredible like that everybody seems to have everyone's back now i think that might be a generational thing looking at like millennials the gen the gen y's the gen z's everything after everyone's very like on it they understand
0: yeah i feel like you know now you know being a millennial i think they're they're really we're really trying to just step away from like stereotypes and, and like the norm And really kind of embrace like who we are.
1: Absolutely. One of the, another interesting thing that I kind of seen in this process is that sometimes the norm isn't a bad thing. Maybe the whole thing's about hitting boxes, targets, basically for me. I've I've been very objective about the process. It's like, here's a goal. I want to reach that goal. This is what I'm going to do. And I don't try and set unrealistic goals for myself. And sometimes I feel almost like judged by members of the community, actually, for trying to hit such a heteronormative box and there's nothing wrong with the boxes that we've created i feel like society um definitely needs to change needed to change and in the last 10 to 20 years has been incredible but there's still like these heteronormative targets that are maybe not such a bad thing and people shouldn't be judged for trying to live what like and who's to say what is it isn't normal but someone to be for someone to be judged for living what their version of normal is should shouldn't be okay and now i
0: have met another trans person before um it's okay to say trans absolutely yeah um and they their pronouns they preferred like you know they their um do do you have anything like that or just so for
1: me this is where maybe i get a little bit personally a little more radical and different than the community but pronouns there's this thing now and it happens in like a lot of very liberal bubbles in the art world in very like safe spaces so to say where um, people ask your preferred pronoun before like even really knowing anything about you and for me I think a pronoun is not something that you can expect society to automatically just know and just be on board with for me a pronoun is a social tool it is the other person saying like, hey, this is how I see you. I'm, s-, And they might not even mean offense. They're not meaning offense necessarily. They're not going out of their way to cause harm. This is just their initial read on you. For me, it's been a very good social tool where, hey, someone reads me as male. Okay, why? What can I do to correct myself? What can I do to correct that which they read male in, in me to do better? A lot of times there's this term called clocked. It's like what someone is doing like, where they clocked you as a trans person and figuring out that has helped me work on myself and I don't necessarily think that like the community shares that whole idea there's an idea that like passing is a privilege and it is but it also is something that takes work and I don't want to invalidate anyone out there that has put in like the countless hours the time and the work to learn a new identity that's not something you just automatically get and there's more to the transition process than than just changing like your body, changing your clothes. There's so much more. I would say I've grown as a person in the last two years, and you know rewired the way I think about things and the way I think about the world, and that's part of the process too. And that's something that's important for people to recognize.
0: And speaking on you know transitioning and um, you know just kind of relearning. How did, how did your family kind of like, was it an easy transition for them or they still just kind of get used to it? Or?
1: I think for most social circles, when they know you one way, it's always going to be hard for them to learn you another way. That's just the other person, like that's me recognizing how hard it would be for the other person to just relearn a person. A lot of times, like coworkers for example, you never really know your coworkers You don't know them beyond like a first name basis. When you change that first name, suddenly like, I can see how that could get confusing. At the same time, all I like to see is, re- is effort. I recognize people's efforts and when it's put in, and I appreciate that. I don't want to make unreasonable demands of people that they need to immediately get with the program because, you know, like you have to be patient with people. My partner and I, kind of at the beginning of this, when I told her that this was something, she we met at the beginning of this. She she was very um, cautious to kind of like proceed with the process. She didn't want to interfere with any feelings I had on it. She didn't want to um, do anything but listen and hear me out. And kind of what we agreed on was that I would go as slow as I could with the process and not rush her. And she would go as quick as she could so she wouldn't slow me down. As far as other family members go, like my core family, we've never really had much of a relationship. So for this, this wasn't a big thing to embrace or accept it's not something I even sought except like for them to be accepting of they already really like my parents haven't really been in my life at 30 years old like I haven't seen my dad in like eight years uh, my mom in like five um and I don't really feel any way about that I haven't felt any like hatred or stigma from them it's just kind of a our relationship basically hasn't changed.
0: So, like, I don't want to pry into that or anything, but is that because of um, how you how you felt, or, or...? I
1: don't think so. I think it's just more of, like, my upbringing and how things turned out. It has nothing to do with, like, identity. It's more that, like, my life is going to keep going and whether they're a part of it or not.
0: Yeah, I... I, I wouldn't say I feel that. I, I totally understand that. But, I mean, I get it. I get it, you know, because... Um, the reason I ask is just because... You know, that, that other transgender person, they, they did have issues based on the fact that, you know, they wanted to have, to, to be free, and you know, free from that cage. And they wanted to have their identity, but, you know, the parents weren't exactly accepting of it because, you know, it's, it's just such a, I wouldn't say jarring, but, but strange sensation.
1: I think one of the hardest things for any person, like, in their lives to do is to cut out toxic relationships to not let them slow you down and hold you back and love is a powerful thing when you bind yourself to another person when you wire yourself to another person be it platonic romantic anything it gets really hard to separate toxicity from love
0: yeah and i mean that toxicity thing it's it's i feel like it's such a challenge for for you know someone like you um especially because you know a lot of people are pretty ignorant to it and they're, they're pretty uneducated and they anything different is just something that's not okay you know especially in some people's minds
1: of course what i try and do is use that as an opportunity seeing someone ignorant seeing someone uneducated i just see that as an opportunity to really you know show people how it can be
0: and um you know straying away from that topic let's um get into do you i remember you said something about running a circus
1: yes my partner and i run circus innovations um we are a performance arts troupe started a couple years ago um i've been performing for about five or six years ago uh five or six years started with aerial silks um taken classes at a number of studios around town but then i decided i really needed to kind of go my own way to really elevate myself um shortly after meeting my partner i started teaching her like different like moves and skills and um around the same time we started getting like booked for shows and um what we decided to do is kind of start our own little group we know like many members of the art community we know um people around town and everything that that also engage in like these kinds of performing arts so um what we what we sought to do is kind of build this company and bring something a little more special to the underground arts community of Charlotte. I think the arts community in general in Charlotte is a little bit stagnant. It's a very corporate city. Moving here from Asheville, North Carolina, I was surprised to see a larger city having a smaller subset of culture.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel that. I mean, you know, moving, because I'm from Richmond, Virginia, um, definitely a very artsy city, Um, and compared to here, you know, it's definitely more corporate cultured, um, but I mean, do, do you still get, like, shows here, or do you have to, like, travel, like, because I know you, I think you're going to, like, Miami, right?
1: Um, yeah, we're going to Miami next weekend, actually, but the funny thing about Charlotte is that they don't want to pay local artists. They just don't want to do it. I could drive up to New York and make five times as much money for a show, come down, and, like, even with travel expenses, it means, like, I do way better.
0: And we just had Rachel join us. Rachel, why don't you say hi? Hi
1: there. So just to bring you up to speed a little bit, we're talking about circus innovations and how we're bringing, we're seeking to bring something different to the underground performing art. And so um, um, we've been doing it a few years, you know, we took um, a year off last year to try and elevate our, our own personal lives and do better. And in the end, it's just going to make our dreams bigger and better and more attainable.
2: Definitely.
0: So do you think it's like a growing thing or just kind of like s- staying put because... I mean, when I think circus, I immediately think like Barnum and Bailey or
2: something. Well, uh, we don't we don't have any animals other than our ferret, and maybe we'll take our snake on the road someday. Um, but no, we're uh, we're hoping to grow with it. Um, we've done some touring, and we've done uh, a lot of local shows. So we're hoping to make it something more uh, more, I guess at least national level.
1: So yeah, it's something that like. I would say it might be in the early stages of infancy as a company, as a traditional company. Um, but for us personally, it's allowed us to like travel to New York and take like l- lessons with people. And um, there's this art form called Malakam, which is an Indi- uh, like a lost Indian art form. It's that's like, like
2: the like- origins of circus.
1: The origins of pole dancing too, and it's incredible. But like to be able to explore like that world and to be able to do it together is like a really incredible thing. It's been
2: a lot of fun. We've had a lot of adventures.
0: So you guys, it's it's just you two, or you guys are like a whole team that you travel with. And, um, I mean, you have a it, ferret too.
2: But... <laughs> yeah, we have a uh, we have a lot of people that we work with who um, practice both with other companies and uh, as individual artists. Um, but we have some a pretty solid core group of people who come out and play with us and you know do shows and all that
1: it all comes down to specialization aerial arts are our specialties um i'm not the most graceful on the ground but when it comes to the air like that that's my thing um i don't spin fire but we know fire spinners so it all comes down to what we're needing for a show and what you know someone wants to see
0: so have you ever had any like really big big shows or has it all just been kind of like more i guess um i guess like regionally regionally scaled Oh uh,
2: well we uh we performed at the booth playhouse here in charlotte
1: yeah uh, with the novice for company. a couple of years
2: yeah that was really cool um that was definitely our biggest like production show um and then as our as our own company we uh performed at Grave Digger's ball last halloween of uh, 2018 so we got to perform while macklemore was performing so that 2017 was... oh my apologies
1: and then we've we've done shows at like amos south end the neighborhood theater and it all comes down to do we want to bring forth the theatrics the traditional like theater or do we really want to wow you with a show personally i like the smaller underground venues i like the like the things maybe that don't pop up on the radar and nobody hears about, but it's just meant for a small, intimate group, and just being able to like bring that—it's almost like a gift for the people that do get to experience it and be a part of it, and maybe it just wasn't meant for anyone else. And
2: I think a lot of that like is just part of circus inherently. Um, the, the more intimate level of connecting with the audience. Uh, we've, Like I said, we've done one major theater production, and a lot of work goes into that, and I feel like some of the art gets lost when you're so focused on you know, lighting and technicalities and the, getting the rigging right and all that.
1: Exactly. I think connection is one of the most important things in connecting with your audience, removing the barrier from, like audience to spectacle and just making it one cohesive show
0: yeah i I definitely understand the whole like straying away from like theatrics you know the big kind of like pop and circumstance stuff um because i mean i i've seen maybe like one aerial show um, oh you should
2: definitely come out
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i've i've uh i've been to like of course like um you know the greatest show you know barnum and bailey that huge explosive stuff um i'm not a big fan of that but my girlfriend definitely is. Um, and she, I, f- I feel like she doesn't really understand like what actually goes into the smaller performances. So, I mean, I, f- I feel like that's like a big thing that people have to get, get through in their minds is just, you know, the, the sheer skill that it requires. Right. And I
2: think when you're doing like a, a larger production like that, um, it can tend to go more commercial and it becomes less accessible for the audience. Uh, one of my favorite things about doing circus and performing in small shows um is allowing it to be an audience immersive thing so getting someone up there in the air who came up and said I could never do that um and I have them doing a flip on their first try like that experience of it and getting to like share my art with someone um that's what I really enjoy about it
1: absolutely um you know it's that whole attitude that i could never do it like no everyone has potential everyone has like i firmly believe that in the circus world everyone has like a circus discipline that like they can connect with and that can become theirs they just have to find it and be encouraged
0: so what's what's the ultimate ultimate goal with it just to you know keep keep having fun or eventually you want to start you know doing um kind of like instructional stuff or
1: you know we do instructional stuff when we can here and there we've done like workshops and teaching but um right now we're very much at a a point where it's like we have so much to give and we want to show the world that but eventually charlotte is a great city to build in and building a studio here is like the end goal i think
2: yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say like we we both love charlotte um charlotte's like got this amazing up-and-coming underground art scene, and there's so many performing artists right now who are just looking for a way to connect and a way to share their art, and so many performers out there don't even realize that there's other performers here in the city, so um, yeah, eventually, maybe later in uh, 2019 or early 2020, we want to get a studio space here in town, Um, but we also have talked about going traveling, maybe doing a cruise over the summer or something
1: absolutely and it's one of those things that like at 30 years old now it seems like if we're going to do it we have to do it now especially given my recent accident
0: yeah you got in a motorcycle accident tell yeah, us about that that's,
1: that's right um a few weeks ago week before christmas um, there was a um i was just going down central avenue on a motorcycle and suddenly i woke up in the hospital basically blacked <laughs> out can't really remember all the details of the accident except for fuzzy little pieces and it was like a terrifying thing really um i'd never been in anything that severe the accident left me with facial fractures laforte level two you know extensive dental work needing to be done i think they said something about tearing my brain which sounds scarier than it is i'm all right i promise super scary but um, my partner rachel was like through it all with me um she was a great like support rock and the same thing with the circus company it just goes back to that like it's something that we've done together the whole time so in pursuing our dreams it's like something we've been you know pushing each other for and it's been like very much an us thing
0: yeah, and so the accident you know Life-threatening as it is, it definitely hasn't slowed you down, right? I mean, you're still walking fine. You're still talking fine.
1: No, I spent a couple hours in church now. Apparently, like I'm like <laughs> <laughs> been looking for religion or something, which I've never seen myself as a spiritual person. <laughs> but uh, we've been exploring the universal Unitarian. Yeah, huh. That's Which has been cool. It has been. Like, it has a lot of value, but it's just funny, like kind of cliche in a way. Like, oh, got in an accident. Time to find God. <laughs> well, like, I mean, yeah, it was like one of those
2: like like 2018 in itself was just like one of those years and then it went out with this like just huge climactic bang of you know my girlfriend almost dying and you know we both just got new jobs and life was supposed to be going so well and then it was just like ah and somehow she walked away with like Really miraculously, relatively minor injuries for landing on her face at 35 miles an hour.
0: <sighs> so you're still going to ride motorcycles after this, right?
1: Possibly. At 30, I just feel like I need to make adult choices. And maybe <laughs> riding just a motorcycle full-time every day, 365 in the rain, the snow, it the sleet. It like, really
2: sucks at winter. Like <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's part of it, though. I don't know. I'm torn. Like I miss it. But I'm going to take a little time off, get a car, and then... um go back to it later. Rachel,
0: did you ever ride?
2: Uh only on the back. Only the back. I I'd like to someday. Um but yeah, after after all this and the the kind of months that we've had, maybe in a couple years, maybe when it's, you know, only in summer and sunny
1: and <laughs> She's a great passenger though. <laughs> yeah,
0: um you know, I've been wanting to actually get a motorcycle for a long time you know, just having, like, that quarter-life crisis kind of thing, like, Right. Oh, it'd be so cool. But do then, it. <laughs> I do want it. to, but it's, like, my girlfriend, she's always like, no, it's so dangerous. I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's totally fine. I'll just wear a helmet.
2: I mean, you like, know? honestly, like, Lynette's been riding for 10 years, and there's been close calls, and there's been times where, you know, I've been on the back, and some car didn't see us, and we've had to do a little quick maneuver, but I think I felt safer on the bike because you can make those maneuvers. You can get out of the way, and people are gonna drive how they drive here anyway.
1: I think that anything could strike, tragedy could strike at any time. You never know and like you shouldn't let anyone or anything stop you. If you want to pursue that, you should do it because at the end of the day, you could be walking down the road and get hit by lightning. You don't even like walking down the street and get hit by lightning. You never know what's gonna happen. So don't let that stop you from like experiencing the full potential of life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely won't but I th- I think I'll wait a little bit till I have the finances <laughs> right, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when you've got that second vehicle money.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you have that kind of like joy ride money. Right. <laughs> yeah, for
1: me personally, I was treating it like a full-time thing. I didn't even do cars. Like I swore I'm off and was like going to be a full-time biker girl forever, ride or die, but I'd rather not die, so maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's time to like scale things back a bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like when I was, um, when I was driving here, I mean, if you guys ever been to Charlotte, the traffic is crazy. It's so
1: bad. This is not the most motorcycle friendly city.
0: Yeah. And I drive an SUV. So parking was pretty, pretty bad. I eventually just kind of like parked over in like a corner somewhere in like a different neighborhood. I'm
2: driving like this gigantic SUV and I, I drive a Mazda 3, so like tiny little sedan. And, uh, we're borrowing this SUV for the week and, I swear, like, I drove around, like, four or five blocks just trying to find spot like, that I could fit it in.
0: So, um, aside from, like, the circus thing, do you guys work regular jobs, right? What do you do?
1: Um, Well, I just left the bail bond industry, and I'm moving more into security management. Um, The security life has always, like, been something I've been drawn to, specifically cybersecurity. It's what I went to school for. Um, But I think I found a company that I can, you know, start from the ground and work my way up. And
2: um, so when I moved down here, I was a special ed teacher and I taught uh, one-on-one children with autism for about 10 years and then decided that I needed to kind of reassess and figure out if that's what I wanted to do full-time. So right now I'm an administrative assistant at a nursing school.
1: And as new as we are to the nine-to-five life, like, Don't let that fool you. We're very much ourselves, even at work. Like, we don't ever try and hide who we are. Oh, no. We're very against-the-grain people, and we still live our lives, but there comes a time in life where you have to settle down and you have to, you know, to elevate yourself. You just have to go with the program a little bit. Plus,
2: it's, like, the easiest job I've ever had, and I'm making more money than I ever have, so... Exactly. It works out. It kind of, like, fuels all the other things that I want to do.
0: I feel like that's a common thing here you know everyone I've met is just really you know they're about the nine to five when they're there and then afterwards they're themselves you know they can do their own thing you know they can be in a circus or
1: I think we found a good balance and can still like be ourselves even at work and everything and you know I think as we get further into like closer and closer to the 20s like I'm universally seeing the job culture change and like co-workers and everything aren't trying to front and put on this fake identity and everyone like shows themselves and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think
2: jobs are a lot more like accepting of personal identity and expressing yourself these days.
1: Yeah,
0: we we're just talking about that a little bit before you showed up, you know, talking about, you know, the the change in society, how everything's getting more open and, and easier, I guess, in a way. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Okay, so really quickly, I kind of wanted to jump back to the first topic. Um, we're talking about transgender stuff and all the transitioning and all that and you guys have been together through that
2: yeah tell me about your
0: kind of i guess take on Um, it.
2: um sure so i don't know about the background that you gave too much but we've been
1: together longer than the transition process yeah we uh
2: we started dating before she transitioned and she told me when we had known each other for about two weeks and we've been hanging out and dating and whatever and i was like okay that's you know if you are going to be happier, then be yourself and do you, and we'll see what where this goes. And I'd already like fallen madly in love at that point. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a wild ride. It's been um, it's been a different experience, but for the most part, my whole family and friends group have been just awesome and accepting and um, really supportive. And I've learned a lot about myself and the world and it's been a good time.
1: Having strength in a partner is like an amazing thing. It's like my support network is here. I have my best friend. I have my lover. I have anything I could ever want in this person. And that's something that like, you know, that just doesn't come naturally. You don't just find that you work at that. We've definitely had hardships and struggles and, you know, we've been at each other's throats, but it's really about learning how to deal with each each other's defense mechanisms and being there for each other and seeing each other's side of things seek first to understand
0: yeah you kind of got to grow together i mean i feel like that's with you know all relationships really you know you really have to find where you connect
1: universal commonality relationships aren't that complex it's just that people overcomplicate them
0: yeah i I, you know i just see it from from this again the uneducated perspective you know not knowing how how you would feel rachel if if something like that were, were to happen again or anything like like what so Sorry. like you know, just just from my perspective, I I wouldn't completely um, understand. I guess it it would take me a little bit more to 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 really get what's going on and, and get like if you were in my situation, yeah, yeah,
2: got you. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I've I've always been you know friends with people in the LGBT community, so I have a pretty good understanding, I guess, of that part of things. Um, and then once you get to know someone, like. And you enjoy the hanging out with them, it doesn't really matter, you know.
1: Yeah, what love they look conquers like, all or... or something.
2: Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not to
1: sound too cheesy, but um, yeah, we're very much new members to the LGBT community, I guess. Like for both of us. It's our first like same sex relationship yes. which is like it's very like it's different. It really is. Even though I've dated women my whole life, it's still different because I have like This whole subset of culture that goes along with, you know, being a woman, but also having, like, a best girlfriend and a lover. Like, all of that wrapped into one is just incredible. It's made our relationship, I'd say, a little more intense. Yeah,
2: I think so. Plus, it comes with, like, great perks, like sharing clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and free
1: drinks sometimes, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um. so, aside from that, has there already been, like, any outside opposition or any, like, heated I guess heated moments and oh. the-
1: from like twelve year olds maybe or like <laughs> I don't um, I don't know if I would count those. <laughs> I mean, not like
2: we've had, yeah. I mean, we've had like a couple times where like when we were in New York City, some guy just like started rapping at us a bit offensively. That um, was like two months into transitioning, though,
1: honestly, all of that is compacted into this like like maybe like three to nine months like bubble early on. And And then then, after that, like, you just kind of integrate. Yeah, I
2: mean, we really haven't faced too much hatred or bigotry or anything. Um, You know, there's always going to be people who don't understand or people who uh, try to sway your opinion without having a full, like, knowledge. But I think that that's more of an opportunity for us to educate rather than to view it as something that's, you know, offensive.
1: Exactly. And your reaction kind of shapes other people's reactions, too. You know, if you come at someone like heated and escalate and that's just that's security tactics, really, like de-escalation is like a huge thing. If you know how to socialize and talk to people, it doesn't matter if they initially like react to you with some kind of like misinformed kind of hatred. You can diffuse that. You can flip people really easy.
0: So you guys are leaning more towards like kind of like the. I wouldn't say passive but more like the positive side you know it's kind
1: of like absolutely we're very positive people
0: just straight up engage them and, and
1: yeah like I
2: them. so the the most recent thing that happened was these like teenage kids were making you know rude comments in the store and I, I got really upset about that not because of what they were saying or you know that it was attacking us in because of our relationship but because people can be so mean and the fact that anyone would be mean towards someone else and not like for no reason like why would you say stuff like that to a stranger in a store um that's more upsetting to me than any of the you know quote-unquote hate speak
1: it's so funny, too, because on that note, like, to have my partner stick up for me and, like, go to battle for me, it's super hot. <laughs> it's super, like... Very powerful. It's it's amazing, but at the same time, now I also feel like the flip side in situations I've been in where I've defended, like, been, like, a white knight and gone to defend my lady and, like... <laughs> then i'm reacted with like you didn't have to do that why do you have to do that and now i'm feeling those feelings like you didn't have to do that you could have just talked to them you didn't have to like escalate and
2: i'm like
1: (laughs) i got pretty mad
2: (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah other than that like my dad's kind of prejudice and a little bit of a big end he's you know had choice conversations with me um and misgenders her all the time which is intentionally
1: which is like but whatever at
2: the same time like that's not on me to to judge him and his you know negativity so most
1: people over 45 like they lived in this completely different world than we live in and like i get that i'm not with it i'm not giving them a pass i'm just understanding Well,
2: and like you know it's my dad and I just I'm going to accept him and anybody else who comes at us with that kind of negativity like okay that's you like yeah, I hope people you deal are with the yourself. way they are.
0: Yeah, just let them let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Let them kind of like wallow in their indifference.
1: At the end of the day it doesn't really affect us or our lives very much, you So know? yeah,
2: I guess passive positivity. <laughs> <is> <laughs> passive the positivity. Way we approach that's it.
0: that's a good way to look at. It. <laughs> so um you guys live together, right? We
2: do. Yeah, we've lived together for about a year, a little over a year.
0: And has has it gotten easier with the with the transition? Do you think, or do you think like before, if you were you are know, still? Well, we
2: didn't live together before she transitioned. Um,
0: oh yeah, I'm and I think like, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think that um, anytime you move in with someone and you're relatively fresh in the relationship, there's going to be things to sort out. Um, so we had some rocky patches moving in together, but I think in hindsight, now looking back at it, going through that. Kind of tough figuring out the roommate situation and how to live with one another. Um,
1: it's like there's multiple relationships with any one person. <laughs> and when you live together, like, all right, best friend, lover, roommate, like, and then there's like their side of things and your side of things. And at the end of the day, we're just very compatible people. And that's made things like relatively easy. But in a,
2: uh, had we lived together before you transitioned? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely easier now. We get to share clothes, and I have a best friend there who's, like, gonna help me out if my hair's looking a wreck, and... (laughs) Girl code. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think it's about the same.
0: Yeah, I think with the, um, especially with the clothes sharing thing, it makes it a lot easier because, you know, more closet space. We have a lot of fucking clothes. (laughs)
1: We have too many clothes. (laughs) And of course, we have differing styles, so, I mean, that's not, like maybe a jacket here or there. I think I've got your jacket and you've got my jacket actually yep. right now. But <laughs> for the That's most it. we still have our own personal styles and like, you know, we're our own people.
0: So it's just you two? Or, I mean, aside from the ferret? Yeah. And, <laughs> and a so snake.
2: Was and the a ferret snake. and the ball python. Um, we had a roommate and he got married this past summer and moved
1: in with his wife. Yeah, so. one of my best friends. Super supportive. Like, I've known him for probably like eight years now and he he's been pretty supportive during like the whole process like i told him he was one of the first people i told and he was just like super like that's awesome i'm happy for you and that was like really cool but uh we were already roommates at the time and he he got married moved out so now we just have two bedroom townhouse to ourselves
0: well the room should be for the ferret right <laughs> so what's what's it like living with a ferret just
1: quite, i'm kind of curious it's um, yeah, such a strange everything path. they do is cute everything, everything. <laughs>
2: Um, But they they do kind of smell, so you've got to like clean out the litter box every day. It's like
1: a cat mixed with a them.
2: snake plus ADHD all the time.
0: It's a good way to look at it. It does <laughs> kind of look like a cat-snake hybrid. But she's
1: super cute. Hyperactive three-year-old all the time, constantly into things, takes certain objects like shiny things and runs <laughs> and hides them.
0: Like, do they burrow because i feel like they burrow yeah
1: i found
2: her last night i had to like search the whole house we let her free roam when we're there um but i searched the whole house to like find her so i could go to bed and like half an hour later i found her like in my sweater on the chair like i don't know she uh she gets lost a lot
1: <laughs> she mixed it up one of her favorite spots through the winter it's been this electric blanket and if it's on she'll like go find that and sleep there rather than her bed what about the
0: snake do you let the snake free roam I f- I forget that we have a
1: snake.
2: <laughs> um, no, she doesn't free roam except for the the one week where Lynette fell asleep holding her, and we didn't have a snake for that week. <laughs> Scary times. <laughs> so
0: they just like disappeared for a week.
2: Yeah, she- <laughs> we like walked in. and We were like, okay, well, I guess I guess we don't have a snake anymore. And we walk in like a week later, and there's just a tail
1: sticking out from under the ottoman. But they're very much like pet rocks. Like for the most part, <laughs> it, like she stays in her little hidey hole, and then I forget about her. Is
0: is it a big snake? A
2: boa? Um, yeah, it's a ball python. Oh, so ball she's python. about uh, five feet long.
0: Five? Oh my yeah. god, that's pretty big. So what I was gonna like say, I mean,
2: beer can, beer can diameter.
0: That's that's pretty big. <laughs> I thought the ferret would be a bigger issue, but I guess the snake is a bigger yeah. issue.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, the ferret's more of a handful. <laughs>
0: Is there any, ever any issues where the snake just kind of, like, sees the ferret
1: and just kind of eyes them down? Or? They, I feel
2: like they ignore each other. They've never interacted.
1: Even when we have them both out, they just kind of, like, pretend like they aren't I there? I think even
2: if we put them together, it would be like, what's this? I don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they see each other, but they don't actually see each other. Right. It's pretty cool. Um, what are their names?
2: Um, so the snake's name is Noodle. Which and is short for Danger Noodle?
0: Danger Noodle,
1: <laughs> and the ferret's name is Lemon. I kind of contemplated getting another one and naming it Snicket.
0: <laughs> what What made you think Lemon?
1: Um, so my
2: favorite book from when I was a kid is uh, the Golden Compass series. Oh, okay. And there was a character in there there was a ferret for part of the book. What named about Danger noodle?
0: Danger Noodle just seems so intense.
1: She's just like spaghetti, but dangerous. <laughs> She's not really dangerous.
0: <laughs> Do you have any uh, thoughts of any other pets?
1: Probably something like a dog or something down the road. Yeah, I'd like when to wait for, for you know, when we have a yard.
0: Yeah, something basic, you know.
1: I think a lot of people get dogs when they're not ready, and it's like, you can't take care of a dog. What are you doing? You can't take care of yourself.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a that's an issue with me. My girlfriend's always looking at... Because she actually um, she got accepted into this Facebook group for... Um, puppies like puppies puppies for sale or for adoption and it's just ridiculous every day she'll just show me a picture look look at this one i'm like uh we can't have you gone
2: to like the shelters because that's the hardest
0: oh no i i I know not to take (laughs) her there it's just it's ridiculous
2: like you walk down and there's like these adorable sad little puppies just looking at you like (laughs) Like, how can you not how how can you not take them all It will end up like (laughs) 10
0: of them um and Another thing that holds me back, not really, is that the fact that she wants to name any dog Lego, because they have legs. <laughs> that's that's cute. a reasoning.
2: <laughs> that's really cute.
1: I don't know. I have a dream to get a Shiba. You know,
0: mm, those are those are very uh, adorable dogs. They're the cutest. Actually, um, my I guess you call my cousin. My cousin owns a Shiba, and that thing is, it's like the size of like that chair right there. It's not very big, not very big at all, and it's just like this. It's a big scaredy cat. You know, it looks like a fox, and it always hides. They're kind
2: of like terriers, though, right? Like they're kind of <laughs> hyper, though.
0: Um, it it depends. It depends. You know, some of them are, some of them aren't. They really have their own kind of like unique personalities. It really depends on, I guess, if it's the the runt or not. Right. Usually the runts, like the kind of the big tough. You know, <laughs> not really big, but you know, the tough, the tough guy.
1: Yeah, they're super cute. I want a dog. I just. I want to do it right because I don't think there's any bad dogs out there. I just think there's bad dog owners. And when you're not in a position to own a dog, then your dog isn't going to be the best dog it could be because you're not treating it right. We actually
2: fostered a pit bull for about six months over the summer. Um and he was great and like totally changed my mind about pit bulls, so I kinda wanna get one. They're very
1: intelligent dogs.
0: I actually want a pit bull, it's one of my favorite breeds just because, you know, they're they're really intelligent, but they're also really really protective. You know, they they know yeah, what to do sweet. and they know how to do it.
1: They act like people.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we straight off topic pretty pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you guys have any like shout outs or sign offs or anything you wanted to say?
1: Um, no, just a shout out to the sh- like City of Charlotte. Be the best you can be, Charlotte. Do better, always. It's not a judgment. Just, I know you can do better.
0: Anything, Rachel? Nope. No, nothing. <laughs> totally on
1: the spot. <laughs> All right, but thank you for having us. We yeah, really appreciate Yeah,
0: of, of course. Thank you guys for being on the show. And um, yeah,
1: Thanks so much.
0: Again, guys, that was Lynette and Rachel. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, and I forgot to mention this in the beginning, guys. Um, we are actually recording outside of a little watering hole here in Charlotte um and so if you hear any like background music or or cars driving by that's uh that's because we're outside but um hope you guys like this episode and um learn something new and if you guys are new to the uh episode or new to the podcast and you want to hear more feel free to check it out i try and post every monday you can find me anywhere you find uh, a podcast and for you guys that are regular listeners thank you for the continued support and again, um, I want to mention that I do have a Patreon for you, you guys that actually want to give some direct support to me. You know, it's always appreciated. But otherwise, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Thank you so much for uh, listening. I want you guys, to uh, all as always, get out there, get hungry, and good luck.